me how to say ladies and gentlemen in gender neutral terms. Hey yo. Hey yo. Hey yo. All right, you guys, podcast time. We got the equipment and the perfect business plan. Give our show away for free and tell no one how to find it. Ready? Get in there. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, Guardian. I think he broke it. What you made me do? And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Heard you missed us. We're back. Minus two days. My <laughs> fault. I'm sorry. I've been tired. Okay. Uh, HISC Talk Radio. Dan Craig. No, Craig's over here now. I'm moving to the proper side. Oh. I, 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 yeah, yeah. No, I, I figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to uh, another edition of the Pro Wrestling Podcast. Um, I'm going to try to come up with, I, I'm going to run an idea by you uh, after we're off the air, uh, something that I wanted to try for a little while. We're going to try it together. I don't know. We're going to try something together. Okay. All of, okay. All of us. All of us. All, all of us. We're try something together. Oh, you, me. Um, we're going to keep it historic this week. But in kind of a, I don't know, a sad way, but uh, we're, we're going to start with a tribute and go right into historian, so we just keep it all about history. Um, one of the greatest wrestling promoters ever. Yeah. Um, it has uh, left this earthly plane. Probably looking <clears throat> at all the chemicals being spilled into the water from train explosions. Probably good timing for him to be like, you know, I'm out of here. Uh, Jerry Jarrett, father, of mm-hmm. course, of Jeff Jarrett, and father of many things in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh is uh, passed away this week, and um, the only thing I'm sad about is uh, I start to see Jeff Jarrett on TV. But that's for another—that's a whole nother podcast. I mean, you know, Slap Nuts was funny in 1999. Some would argue that it wasn't at all. Um, <laughs> I would argue it was. And I mean, he looks good. I mean, but I, we'll never get rid of Jeff. We have to thank him for something, I guess. Uh, but. The father of is uh, no longer with us. And I don't think, you know, rest you, me, and real hardcore wrestling fans absolutely know what he contributed. But I don't think, I, I, I think some of it is a little understated. Uh, so you're going to take it away. Talk about Jerry Jarrett, and then uh, we'll continue on. Uh, we will indeed, uh, Dan. Uh, like you, I'm also tired, which is why I'm doing the show in my silk pajamas. So I wanted to be... Looking uh, only, you can look. Thank you um, so much. Uh, yeah, the death of Jer- of Jerry Jarrett um, uh, cannot be understated what a massive impact he had on professional wrestling. No pun intended. I'll get the impact in a, in a second. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jerry Jarrett yes. um, but uh, was the, the... I hesitate to say the father of Southern wrestling because there were many great wrestlers before Jerry Jarrett. But when Jerry Jarrett as a wrestler, as a solo wrestler, wasn't as big a star as some of his contemporaries like Sputnik Monroe or um, 
and the 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 Nick Golises or the uh, the Jackie Fargos um, of the territory, but what he lacked in wrestling talent um, that was for, admirable, but again, not on the level of his contemporaries like the Fargos and and Spud Nick Monroe, his acumen, his business acumen, and his creativity was second to none how he revolutionized Southern wrestling. Uh, Southern wrestling was always a major draw in the South, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Gulf Coast, what have you. What Jerry Jarrett did um, with the help of um, not only Eddie Marlin and Jackie Fargo and a very young Jerry Lawler. Kids, you have to understand what we see every week on television is a weekly television show that's setting up that you, that's usually setting up a pay-per-view or premium live event months in advance. Southern wrestling, specifically in Tennessee and Alabama, Mississippi, uh, and those areas had weekly wrestling shows. So on your television show, you had to promote what was coming up that week. And with Jerry Jarrett, he had a weekly Monday night show at the Mid-South Coliseum that sold out every week for 36 consecutive years. Selling out a live arena every week. This, we struggled. The Today's product struggles to sell out one arena, the Wells Fargo here, every six months. He did it every week with a formula that was copied through every Southern promoter um, worth his salt and should be copied right now because it's very, very simple. What Jerry Jarrett did um, was start his, he had one hour of, of wrestling per week on WMC in Memphis. You start the show with a, with a big with a hot match between two with a baby face and a heel. You promote that match while you're talking about what's coming up in the hour. You pay attention to the match and you well, don't ignore what's going Yeah. Without ignoring what's going on, you put both guys over after one match interview with what happened last week with this. And the, the heel or babyface talks about, well, I'm going to get even. And this Monday night at Mid-South Coliseum, you'll see that. Show a tape of what happened last week for the people that might have missed it. Next match. Two heels, a tag team heel take to, takes out a underneath babyface tag team. Or vice, or vice versa. Leading up to the main event that night, the number one contender for the Mid-South Heavyweight Championship goes is fighting for a title shot. The Mid-South champion comes to the the desk with Dave Brown and Lance Russell to talk about the number one contender and how he's not in his league or whatever. Have a pull-apart brawl at the end. Everyone shows up on Monday night to see what happens. Every single week, it's really not that hard. Uh, well, apparently Jerry, it is. But what Jerry Jarrett did, and once he found his his other son, Jerry Lawler, who became who would become the biggest star in his territory and the biggest star um in the history of of, of Tennessee 
um, maybe next to Dusty Rhodes, maybe one of the most popular wrestler in the South. But what those guys did was create magic, and it didn't matter if Lawler was a heel or Jerry Lawler was a face. What Jerry Jarrett did and how he worked hand-in-hand with so many other promoters in that area that made Mid-Southern Wrestling uh, so formidable to the point where he was a member of the NWA and the AWA. The NWA champion and the AWA champions would come to Memphis. Why? Because of Jerry Jarrett, because of his understanding, because his business sense, and because of his wrestling mind. He could bring in a world champion, get his top star over, and keep the world champion the world champion, and you get your top star. In most cases, it was Jerry Lawler. We know he's on the same level as the world champion. Without You don't have to bury your top guy. You bring the world champions in, and he is on the same level as the top guys. And he did that not just with Jerry Lawler, but with Bill Dundee. Um, and Austin Idol, whenever the world champion NWA AWA came through, Jerry Jarrett's business sense and his 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 um, the way he could book uh, not just a TV show but a territory, because this this went out not just through Memphis. His ideas were also what supplanted the ICW, uh, Randy Savage's first. Um, Wrestling Federation that was run by uh, Angelo Poffo, one of Jerry Jarrett's contemporaries. They obviously Angelo tried to put Jerry out of business before their beef was squashed, but Jerry Jarrett, not someone who have who would have had hard feelings. Later on, after the ICW went out of business, both I, the I, the top stars in ICW, Randy Savage and Lanny Poffo, wrestled for Jerry Jarrett in Memphis. You know, because where other promoters would have blacklisted them or buried them or not, Jerry Jarrett had no had no ill will towards Randy Savage or Lanny Poffo. And if it wasn't for Randy Savage's run in Memphis under Jerry Jarrett, he never would have gotten the exposure to go to the WWF. And the number of people that Jerry Jarrett either introduced, helped out, or just discovered is mind-boggling. I mentioned the the people that he gave uh, pushes to, Randy Savage, Randy Poffo, Dutch Mantel. Um, he discovered Jimmy Hart. Um, well, Jerry Lawler brought Jimmy Hart to Jerry Jarrett and said, yeah, let's give him a try. Jim Cornette, another one. Honky Talk Man. The, the number of people that came out and said thank you to Jeff Jarrett I mean, not just from the Southern wrestlers that we know of, but Sean Waltman said that. Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and for TNA, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. Jerry Jarrett helped start TNA with his son, Jeff, and they gave, again, a big, the big push, the big start for so many of today's contemporaries, again, because of Jerry Jarrett. And probably the thing, the shining, uh, example of the kind of person Jerry Jarrett was. We've talked about on this very podcast during Vince's steroid trial yep. when Jerry Jarrett yep. um, would spend time in the WWE when Vince thought he was going to jail and for all intents and purposes looked like he was going to jail. Yeah, he was going. He handpicked Jerry Jarrett to run the company 
if in his absence. Now, Vince has long history of not hating, but looking down upon Southern wrestling. He never wanted his shows to look too Southern. That's why he, he took out words like hospital or title shot or because those were Memphis staples. Fucking stupid. I hate it. <laughs> and under Jerry Jarrett, that's where um, Sean Waltman and Bob Holly, that's where Sean Waltman got his first WWF title um, because Jerry had worked with him in uh, in Global Wrestling Federation and Jerry uh, had seen his work and he knew Bob Holly from, from Memphis too and he gave them the, the tag team championships. But this so the again the amount of people Steve Austin, Cactus Jack, um Jim uh the Blade Runners, who we know as staying an Ultimate Warrior, but their first batches were in Memphis, horrible as they were. Uh the Freebirds. Oh, oh that's so bad. <laughs> that's so bad. How do how do we go from that to talk about Sting being one of the greatest is beyond me? But holy Jesus, go ahead, keep going. <laughs> well, because Sting, with one guy wanted to learn, and one guy thought he was fine the way he was. Yeah. But well, <laughs> the one thing I'll say about not the one thing is so many great things I could say about Jerry Jarrett, but the one thing that bears repeating over and over. You know, I just mentioned that when Vince thought he was going to jail, that he wanted Jerry Jarrett to take over his promotion. Jerry Jarrett, gentlemen and ladies of HIAC Talk Radio, is the only promoter that Vince never ran out of business. Nope. Everyone else, and it doesn't matter if you liked him or didn't like him, Bill Watts, Eric Bischoff, Dusty in Florida, the Carolinas, Jerry Jarrett, Mitz. It's Southern Wrestling in Tennessee. He never ran out of business. He worked with Jeff Jarrett when the WWF was going through tough times. It was Jeff Jarrett when Bret Hart was the World Wrestling Federation champion. He they would still wrestle shows in Memphis. They would go to they would still go to competing towns and bring their well Jeff Jarrett under his father's um uh, the promotion said, I know the WWF is coming to the Mid-South Coliseum next Monday. I'm going to be there at ringside because I want to challenge Bret Hart. Now, this was the first time that Mid that Southern Wrestling, the CWA, even mentioned any other wrestling federation. But here's Jeff Jarrett on Memphis television saying the WWF champion is coming and I'm going to be there. And that was the first invasion angle because it had never been done. And when Bret Hart, he, when he fell out of the ring and he landed near Jerry Jarrett in the front row, bumped into him by accident, and Jeff shoved Bret, and then it was on. And history. WWF wrestlers would come to Tennessee and vice versa. That paved the way for Jeff Jarrett to come back to WWF, and Jerry Lawler had already been wrestling in the WWF, but while he was a heel in the WWF, when he went down to Memphis, he was a, he was a babyface and would challenge Vince McMahon to a fight. Vince came to, to ringside and sat at the Mid-South Coliseum, and Jerry came up to him and said, come on, give me a punch right here, and then he just... 
And that was a, that was the first time that Vince McMahon was a heel. This was this was in nineteen eighty. This was nineteen ninety-two, three. But it was five years before the Mr. McMahon character. Vince McMahon played that heel when he went to Tennessee. Again, in cooperation with Jerry Jarrett. You think Vince McMahon would show up at an NWA? Hell no. Joe? Or an AWA show? Nope. Not by choice. Yeah. No. (laughs) But with Jerry Jarrett. Even show up at WCW and Eric was like, I will kill you. (laughs) But that was the, the, the love, the respect, the admiration that Vince McMahon and the WWF had for, for Jerry Jarrett. He's the only guy that Vince never put out of business. The only promoter. Unreal. It is unreal. Uh, the the footprint that Jerry Jarrett left on professional wrestling, and not just Southern wrestling, like I said, all the wrestlers I named that he either discovered, gave a big push to, gave him their big break, gave advice to, talked with, Nothing but great stories about Jerry Jarrett from everyone who ever met him. Uh, Jim Cornette told uh, a a lot of him on his show. Um, But even like Bubba Ray Dudley, Mark Henry, uh, and glowing things to say about him. Um, Ricky Morton, again, got his big break because his father, Paul, was one of Jerry's referees uh, when they were starting out. Uh, Ricky Morton's father, Paul Morton, was a referee. Uh, just so many re- careers that he started, uh, wrestling careers that he uh, just enriched, and professional wrestling in general. Uh, they don't make him like Jerry Jarrett anymore. And that's a shame. What's even more a shame is that you can promote like Jerry Jarrett. You can book like Jerry Jarrett because, like I started, I said at the beginning, it's really not that hard to make fans interested in your product if you give them something worth watching. It really is. Yeah, but the uh, the uh, the the uh, legacy of Jerry Jarrett. I mean, and everything from <laughs> from the scaffold match to Jerry Lawler getting run over by Eddie Gilbert in the car to Andy Kaufman to uh, the hair versus hair matches uh, to Bill Dundee getting his wife's head shaved. Um, all those were, were, were Jerry Jarrett's uh, ideas. You know, I, obviously Jerry, Jerry Lawler played a big part in all those, but Jerry Lawler was the biggest star in Memphis because under the the tutelage and under the um, auspices of Jerry Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett and and Jerry Lawler uh, booked the most successful run of any territory in the history of wrestling. Longer than Dusty in Florida, longer than the Von Erichs in Texas, uh, Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler in Memphis were untouchable. And uh, the the angles that came out of that. I mean, every week on TV, something was happening uh, that you had to tune in. And the shows on WMC Channel 5 in Memphis were getting numbers that rivaled the moon landing every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. 
because every Saturday morning, you know exactly what you were doing. Um, you weren't watching cartoons, you were watching. If you were, grew up in Tennessee, you were watching uh, championship wrestling from Memphis, Southern Championship Wrestling. Um, a great man, great guy. Like a like Bobby Eaton, it must be a Southern thing. I haven't heard one bad word that anyone had any had to say about about Jerry Jarrett. Um, it'd be impossible. He started so many careers. He uh, just was just a great mentor and just a great person to talk to. And Southern wrestling uh, wouldn't be Southern wrestling without Jerry Jarrett. Uh. The only again, the only bad thing I would say that uh, he gave us is Jeff, <laughs> and I mean, I'm kidding. I, you know, whatever. I, and I don't have anything bad to say about Jeff Jarrett. I'm kidding. Um, I do want to point out mm-hmm. before we go fully into uh, wrestling historian, uh, you're mentioning uh, the great Bobby Eaton. Mm-hmm. Is uh, I, I want to say how timely and perfect it was to finally put the Midnight Express into the WWE Hall of Fame after he was dead. Congratulations. That's great. Awesome. Good job, guys. Good job, Paul. Yeah! <sighs> Sorry. Just getting that off my chest. I saw that. I was like, good. That's wonderful. But that, that's that, that's not official, though, is it? It's not official, but okay. it's one of those things that it's like, yeah, it is, but it isn't. Yeah, kind of yeah. things, but I'm just like, if that happens, like, of course they should be in. Yeah, it should have been in a long time ago. All three of them. Yes. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Actually, like four or something. But my point is, is yeah, the, the great well, timing. I, 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 I agree, Dan. But I also, as much as I get worked up about who's not or who should have been in the WWE Hall of Fame. I have to temper myself because it's not a Hall of Fame. It's a completely yeah, arbitrary piece of shit on the whims of a very old, out-of-touch man who... Who shouldn't be making those decisions Who shouldn't be making anyway. any decisions at, at, at all. The fact that the man who single not. I'm gonna say it. Fuck it. Single handedly, yes, single handedly, correct. Made the WWF what it is, the single greatest world heavyweight champion in the history of professional wrestling. Everyone can fall all over themselves and vomit at the feet of Roman Reigns holding the belt for 900 days, when the champion of the very same company that Roman Reigns represents. Held a belt for 8,348 days. Eight years. And he doesn't get into the Hall of Fame until the, after the year 2000? Well, that's not Roman Reigns' fault. I, no, but I mean, what then what the hell kind of Hall of Fame is that? If, no, it's bullshit. You have to wait until Bruno... Oh, yeah, it's 2014. We're inducting Bruno San Martino. Really? The guy who's held the championship more than... Longer than any wrestler in the history of the business that sold out Madison Square Garden more than any other wrestler in the history of the business and records that will never be broken from no one from this era? No, no, no one. No one, because the internet and the ratings won't allow it. That guy? He just got in the Hall of Fame? 
Well, because you didn't like because he said some bad things about your company after he left. Yeah, or he the way said he, that he he called you the piece of shit that you were, and you were like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. And especially at the way that your your father, uh, the respect that your father had for him, and the way he worked for your father, and what he gave to your yeah. father, gave you a living. Vince didn't have respect for his father either. <laughs> I mean, that's why the whole thing in the eighties happened. I'm not. He, my son's not gonna. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's the it's the two headed monster because you have wrestling wouldn't be as global as it was, but also I, yeah. they're uh, <laughs> the territories are gone. There's only one. I don't know. Yes. But to his and credit, in my eyes, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say to his credit, Vince, even though he shit on everything his father uh, started and broke all the agreements that his father had with every wrestler, wrestling promoter across the country, still had respect for for Jerry Jarrett. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I uh, I forgot the last point I was going to say. Hold on a second. Sorry. Hold on. No, no, it's all right. Eh, not, not that important anyway. Fuck it. Um, no, you were, you were, we were saying how I was saying how he disrespect. Uh, he had no respect for his 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 dad and his dad's wishes. And I was talking about Bruno, and then I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I just it's gone. It's not your poof ADD. It's it's gone. It doesn't matter. No. <laughs> It wasn't that important if I can't remember. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I mean, uh, I mean, I hope, I hope it's true because I I want to see those montages. Um, yeah. At the same time, as you said, it's not real. Yeah. And I know that. Uh, at, at least Cornetta said. Um, publicly that um unless it's in Louisville he wasn't he wasn't going. He definitely wasn't getting on a plane and uh going anywhere. And Do you know how hard you have to try these days to make uh uh Jim look rational? You know that? Yeah and but he even said the same thing you did. Um the, the how the timing is like if you know we can't the other reason he wouldn't go because Bobby's dead. So why the hell would we all want to? He was just here. Yeah. When anyway. he had all the time in the world. Why not do if you put? Why not do it the very next year after the rock? You put the Rock and Roll Express in. If he had Jim Cornette there, he didn't. He didn't cause any trouble. He even shot a few things for the WWE while he was there for the Hall of, for the Hall of Fame weekend. So bring them back and put them in the express in. Have Ricky Morton in, in, induct them. Well, that would make too much sense. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't understand either. It. Uh, it's, it's very hard for me to uh, enjoy wrestling these days. I'll fully admit it. I look too much into... Well, I was watching a, uh, and I forget the channel. I'm, I'm going to promote the channel because it's a great channel where it looks at, it shows you the most devastating, <clears throat> they release videos mm-hmm. 
that show you the worst or the most devastating spots of a, a week or a month. Uh-huh. But they also show you the great, the good stuff. Okay. Like, wow, this was really cool. And they put it together in a in a whole video. And somebody I'm not a big fan of as a person popped up and it took me out of it for a little bit. BDWJ Forever is the wrestling, is the channel. It's a good channel. Okay. And it's not it's not this person's fault this person showed up, but he's this person is married to the person that used to beat uh, his wife. Uh-huh. I'm not going to mention his name anymore, but we all know who the fuck I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of took me out of it. Like, Why do I have to fucking see this person? I don't want to see this person at all. A terrible <laughs> person. Uh, that's what's going to um, bring me to my next thing. And I said I was going to do it off air, but I'm going to put it to you on air because it'll force us both to do it. Yes. Um, I want to reinvigorate my love for pro wrestling. Okay. Um, and also tied into how we talk about the past with the modern. Mm-hmm. Or the present. You know, modern. It's all modern. <laughs> uh, I kind of want to do, and since we're doing it bi-weekly, it gives us time. I want to implement a, a lot of podcasts do this now. So they do it a little differently and they pick random shows or they're further along. I want to do Pro wrestling in chronological order. You know how I've been watching them in private, you know, by myself. Yeah. I want us both to do it. Okay. But I want to get to today's date in 19... What the fuck? For, what am I, 93? Fuck, what year? <laughs> Jesus. Hold on, I'll tell you in a second. Uh, WWE chronological... I am on... Fuck, we're going to have to play catch-up. I'm on January 1993. Okay. So coming up is Superstars, WCW Saturday Night, WWE Monday Night Raw, uh, which is going to be one of the early ones. Clash of Champions 22, mm-hmm. a couple more weeks, and then we're going to get past Royal Rumble 93, do WrestleFest 93, into, since we're three weeks away, or so we'll do it. We'll get to Super Brawl 3. So we're going to get through all these shows, and I have a list for you. I have the links. So okay. I'll, I'll, I won't make you do the research. Okay. But what I want to do is add a segment mm-hmm. to the show, which we talk about what we've seen the last week in, or last two weeks in professional wrestling history. But we're going to go back to 1992. Mm-hmm. It was perfectly 20 years ago. I'm 19. <laughs> I'm, I'm 21. I don't care. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> that's what I'd like to do. Okay. Uh, because... Also, it'll make me start watching him again. So I've, I've, it's, it's been months that I want to get back into the list. So if you'll permit me, you sure. and I will do it, and I will share you the links. And doesn't matter if we watch them together or we watch, as long as they're done. Yeah. You know, after this, th- after this show, it'll uh-huh. be easy because we'll be caught up. But yeah, yeah, that's what I want to do. I'm going to get back into it, and uh, we'll open the show with that every week. Okay. Um, I'll try to tell Derek. <laughs> <but> <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, listen. It's yeah. hard to work the hours he works and have a newborn and try to be social at all. Yeah, so, I get it. Mm-hmm. I won't include his uh, input, but <clears throat> what I will include is it's time to get caught up with the wrestling historian, my friend. It is your. <laughs> well, you've had the show all week. It is you. Again, just take it back here. 
Here, take this. Here. Take it. Take it. Here, take it. Take it. Uh, you know, we spent so much time talking the the history of um what uh, Jerry Jarrett has uh, done for professional wrestling. And as we look back on this week of professional wrestling, I'm sure there's there's some connection that Jerry Jarrett has with one of the people that I'm, or maybe all the people that I'm going to mention, what's happened in the last two weeks of uh, professional wrestling. Um, back when uh, wrestling was a big deal on television and TV ratings for local wrestling pro- promotions would routinely score in the double digits in shares and in number of homes watching professional wrestling in TV sets throughout all 50 states, which would lead to sold-out arenas and high school gymnasiums and coliseums uh, up and down the East Coast and the West Coast. Territories ruled the earth. World champions losing their titles meant something it was a big deal it was a big deal um before cable tv before the internet got our wrestling news from word of mouth wrestling magazines and our pure love of the sport these last two weeks are very important weeks in professional wrestling this gentlemen and ladies is the wrestling historian we're going to go back to February 6, 1977, Ooh. in the Toronto Maple Leaf Garden, one of the most iconic arenas in professional wrestling. Uh, the, the kind that uh, Impact, for some inexplicable reason, tried to copy with the long ramp going <laughs> leading right to the ring. Um, but, uh, this particular, um, show didn't have the long ramp. Uh, this was an NWA show that took place February 6th, 1977, but it was a pivotal day in professional wrestling history because it was on this day that Terry Funk lost the NWA heavyweight championship by submission to the Indian Deathlock and regaining the NWA title for only a second world championship would be the great Harley race. So not forever. No. Okay. And Harley race who previously was the shortest reigning NWA champion of all time. He had held the NWA title 57 days earlier uh, in between 1972 in, I'm sorry, 1973, he was a transition champion between uh, Dory Funk Jr. and Jack Briscoe. Jack Briscoe, uh, Dory Funk famously didn't want to drop the belt to Briscoe um, in Texas. Uh, for some reason, they have any problem doing it in Florida, but not in Texas. So enter Harley Race, who defeated Dory Funk Jr., um, I'm sorry, who, uh, who lost the World Heavyweight Championship to Jack Briscoe in Texas, in Houston. Um, and Harley Race, blind-haired Harley Race, was uh, always seen as a tough guy, but never thought he'd be entering into the NWA title picture again. He had been without the title for four years. 
from 1973 to 1977. And it had gone from Jack Briscoe, uh, the Giant Baba, and finally to Terry Funk, who had held the belt since December of 1975. And here it was, February 6th, 1977, a full year as champion. But Terry Funk, like many wrestlers before him, when faced with the grind, the everyday, the 327-day-a-year schedule of different towns, different cities, every day, twice on Sunday, that can't do it anymore. And Harley Race became the NWA champion again. You know, we talk on this very podcast down about the great wrestlers and how their legacies are cemented, but they've only been world champion once. Terry Funk was one. Dory Funk was another. Jack Briscoe, another. Former world champions. Only held it once. The reason why? They had enough of the championship life. Couldn't do it. Wow. Terry Funk, uh, the as much as the you know we talk about the the greatness of Harley Race, how he would go on to win the NWA title, almost be synonymous with the NWA title now, but it's hard to believe that February sixth, nineteen seventy seven, it was considered a surprise. Even some would say an upset. Uh, a lot of people picked Jack Briscoe to regain the belt. A lot of people had picked um an outsider like a Dick Murdoch who was high on a lot of people's lists at the NWA convention that year. But it was Harley Race that got the nod. And what people forget, well, not forget, after this loss to Harley Race for the NWA title, Terry Funk didn't wrestle again for another year. Yeah, well, I didn't remember that either. Yeah. He had completely dropped out of uh, out of sight, out of professional wrestling. There was no series of rematches. Um, Terry Funk was had got the rest. He so he didn't get while well, he was world champion, and uh, richly deserved. Um, obviously, Terry Funk would uh, didn't stay rest for long, and when he did come back to uh, the NWA and wrestling, uh, came back with a vengeance. Incredible feuds with Dusty Rhodes. With Jerry Lawler, they had the first ever empty arena match in Mid-South Coliseum that was promoted by Jerry Jarrett. Um, and obviously, his run in, his, in the late 80s in the NWA, his feud with Ric Flair. And three years later, which was he awesome. beat in Philadelphia right here at the start of ECW. And would reinvent himself over and over again and give himself for almost a third career. But uh, February 6, 1977 was his last day as the NWA world champion. And even now, we still consider the former world champion, Terry Funk. Well, it's because of uh, Harley Race that made him a former world champion. Um, also, Big day, 1988. Um, in Boston, the Boston Garden, and right here, the beautiful air-conditioned Philadelphia Spectrum, 
The WWF, which is at the height of its popularity in 1988, would run two shows a day um, on Sunday. So on February 6th, 1988, uh, there was an afternoon show in Boston Garden and an evening show right here in Philadelphia. And the main event was the tag team of Hulk Hogan and Bam Bam Bigelow going up against the team of Andre the Giant and the new World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, Ted DiBiase. See, the night before, on the main event, televised on NBC, with the help of a twin referee who the storyline had it had oh, yeah. <laughs> was paid for by Ted DiBiase to get plastic surgery to look exactly like referee Earl Hebner. <sighs> Didn't count counted the shoulders down of Hulk Hogan, even though his shoulder was up at the count of two. And Hogan lost the World Heavyweight Championship and it was awarded to Andre the Giant. And then Andre, after winning the belt, I surrender the heavyweight championship belt to so in one fell swoop, Andre the Giant won the world the WWF Heavyweight Championship, surrendered it immediately, and gave it to Ted DiBiase. And this was, was I could understand that better than he could than, than <laughs> him. <laughs> Afterwards, I am the dread pilot Robert. The People okay, my wage. Anybody want a peanut? Um, <laughs> but what made hey, it boss more alcohol? Sorry, <laughs> but Andre the Giant won the tag team champ, won the tag team, won the heavyweight championship yeah. <laughs> of the world. No, on February 5th, alive on TV, and the belt was given to Ted DiBiase during that time before the. Uh, TV, the TV tapings that talked about the fallout from the main event, Ted DiBiase wrestled house show matches with the belt and was billed as the world heavyweight champion. And if you were one of the few people that didn't see the main event that aired on NBC February 5th and you showed up to the Boston Garden or the Philadelphia Spectrum the next night, Expect and see Hulk Hogan wearing that belt with his tag team partner, Bam Bam Bigelow. Boy, were you in for a shock. Because uh, Andre and Ted DiBiase entered the ring first. And Andre wearing the belt. I mean, Ted DiBiase wearing the belt. Andre, Virgil in tow. And the referee and the, the announcers. And announced them, announced the team of Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase, and Ted DiBiase as the new heavyweight champion of the world. They made the announcement before Hogan and Bigelow came to the ring to let the fans know that what that Ted DiBiase was a new heavyweight champion because Andre and because Hogan and Bigelow came running to the ring and jumped them Road Warrior style. So they had to introduce Ted as a champion first. Um, even though we didn't it would think have... this through, did we? No, they didn't. 
uh, and it, Hogan had always had to come out last anyway. Yeah, but for up. this, why not uh, have Andre? I mean, have uh, Hogan and Bigelow in the ring, and then bring out Andre and Ted, or Hogan to grab the mic and say, "I will." You know something, brother? The Hulkamaniacs, we all got screwed, and say something. But no, well, that was more coherent than uh, what Hulk would have said. <laughs> But well, how they really dropped the ball was not the keep ball it, was it dropped or not? But yeah, but not keeping the belt on Ted DiBiase all the way up to WrestleMania four. Um, that was your license to print money, but they they saw dollar signs in their eyes to getting another Hogan and Andre match. Uh, but keeping the belt on, you could still have dropped it to Randy Savage, but. Keep the belt on DiBiase up until WrestleMania because the two shows that they did, Dan, when Ted DiBiase was a world heavyweight champion, the afternoon the the afternoon show at Boston Garden did fifteen thousand five hundred and thirty four people, and the Spectrum crowd was eighteen thousand one hundred twelve. Jesus. At the spectrum, and the the only times that Ted DiBiase was introduced as the world heavyweight champion, February sixth, nineteen eighty eight. Um, also February sixth, nineteen ninety. Two years later, the NWA Clash of Champions ten, a date which will live in infamy, in the heart of Dan Colachico. Because it was on this very classy champions DM that um, Mil Moskaroff yeah. defeated Cactus Jack. I know that's why you're sad. Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm sad. You got me. Yeah, Cactus Jack. Uh, Mick Foley had plenty of unkind words to say about the great Mil Moskaroff during that match, uh, which took place in Texas. And, and who uh, wouldn't? <laughs> uh, the Steiner brothers defeated Doom. And afterwards, Doom unmasked. And what JR called the worst kept secret in professional wrestling. <laughs> Revealing Doom to be what, Butch what Reed and Ron think. Simmons. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, nobody did. Who the no. fuck are you talking about, JR? <laughs> you knew who they were. Nobody else did. And uh, also, uh, the Horseman dumped Sting. I wasn't actually sad. I was very happy about that. Because fuck them. Yeah. Bunch of assholes. I was not happy. No. Actually, if I'm thinking about it, I probably wasn't. I probably didn't know any better (laughs) at that point, you know. But the most interesting thing, uh, and almost a a callback thing, the interview segment where the horseman dumped Sting with Ole Anderson, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, and Sting. The in-ring interview was being conducted by Terry Funk. Terry Funk, yeah. And I saw, I put it, I pointed out when I went back to watch that, you know, last year, I'm like, Terry wasn't a bad commentator guy. No. He wasn't bad at all. But, uh, yeah, when you signed that contract, you signed your death warrant. Yeah. And when he smacks the, just. Yeah. It was the realist. Yeah. Man, man. He did it twice, yeah. Get out of that match! Get out of my lives! 
and you see Arn struggling to keep Sting down because Sting because he smacked the shit out of him, and he's he's like, I am gonna get free and choke you to death, you bitch. <laughs> like the I cannot imagine. Now, of course, I don't mean for real. They were in on it because it's a segment, but I even 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 when it's planned. Being smacked that hard, that adrenaline pumps through you on the first shot. Yeah. And on the second shot, you're not thinking anymore. Mm-mm. It's just like, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to fucking kill you. Uh, even, like, I am not comparing these mm-hmm. at all. These two things at all, whatsoever. The bare minimum when Papadon grabbed me by the the cheeks and the chin and chuck me halfway across the rose. Adrenaline yeah. flows, man. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, cause your body's immediately like, you hit him back. You're not supposed <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Knock him out. Like, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. He been held back and that's a big moment. And it still holds up to any most segments you can put on TV now. Yeah. It's a great segment. It was a great segment, but yeah, uh, February 6th, 1990. 13th. Isn't that the same show where he pops his knee? That's why I said it was a, a date that will live in infamy. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, because that moment is such a high. Yeah. And at the very end of the show is the lowest of lows, and it throws, I would say that one show kind of throws WCW into a spiral because yeah, the, the plan was, Sting and Rick. Right. So that gets held off about a year, mm-hmm. or well, not a whole year, but, but six yeah, months or six so. Again. Yeah, eight months, and you got to turn a Luger face. You got to turn Luger know. face, and you have Rick telling him, "I ain't dropping it, fucking Luger." Yeah, I ain't giving him shit. Sid's a horseman. It just, yeah, it goes nuts. It's just until Sting comes back and everything's back on track. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that one. Th- Thanks, Doug. Yeah. I, how did he have a job that long? I don't know. You know how many people between the NWO forming and Macho Man being the top heel in 99 got into the ring and dug... Oh, shit. My bad. Sorry. I still remember the angle that Jacqueline was supposed to do. She was supposed to hit Kevin Sullivan with a chair that was under the ring, perfectly placed. But because Doug Dillinger was a fat, lazy piece of shit, he grabbed the chair and sat on it. At ringside. So while Jackie's under the ring looking for a chair, it was right behind her, but Doug Dillinger just sitting on it. That was a chair that was supposed to be used. As a as a as a fat piece of shit, I don't sit that much. <laughs> I don't. On purpose. Well, I, I certainly if I'm if I'm head of security and I'm supposed to be at a ringside, a, I would already Yeah, A, I would already have a chair and B, um, I would have been kept apprised of what's supposed to be in under the ring, what's not supposed to be there. So. Fred eh. Scuttle was a better security guy. That's Benny Hill, everyone. Yes. Than Doug Dillinger. Head of security. Ah, Doug. He got his own trading card. Of course. The only... All of the unlockable characters in the WCW Nitro and Thunder games got played more than Doug Dillinger's character. And it was in Thunder. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I'm bitter. It was fine, but I'm still mad. I. That's why I said the date that lives in infamy, Dan. That's uh, it's, 
certainly infemininity. <laughs> it's easy for you to say. No. <laughs> uh, another big, uh, other big dates, just because I remember them. Uh, Hugh, February seventh, February seventh, two thousand. Uh, the oh eight man tag team match that took place between uh, Cactus Jack. Rikishi, I'm sorry, 10-man tag team. Cactus Jack, Rikishi, Too Cool, and The Rock went up against the team of X-Pac, Triple H, Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko, and Chris Benoit. The Outsiders, not the Outsiders, the Radicals with a Z. (laughs) Because everything had to have a Z. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, the the week prior, Eddie had dislocated his elbow on a frog splash. Ooh. But the crowd for that match was I was so hot and so hype for a ten man match with all ten of those guys. And it was so loud. And that was the, the height of Rikishi and Too Cool. The fact that they were in the ring with Saturn, Malenko, Benoit, uh Triple H and X Pac. Eddie uh, at ringside in a sling, but the crowd, I've never heard it was that loud and that electric, and all 10 men have talked about that in later years of how incredible hype that crowd was uh, going up against Monday Nitro in Tulsa, and the main event in that was uh, Sid defending the uh, WCW Heavyweight Championship Uh against Scott Hall. Uh That did a 2.7 uh, the Raw main event with that ten with that ten man tag team match I just described did a six point five. Mm-hmm. No, but please keep pushing, Sid. <laughs> uh, February. I like 8th. Sid. But... I did too. Yeah, but, not. Yeah. So. Uh, February eighth, um, two thousand ten. How's this for full circle? Two thousand ten, February eighth, two thousand ten. The WWE announced the first man that were inducting into the Hall of Fame that year, Ted DiBiase. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Greatest theme music ever. Yeah. Money, 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 money. Um, he, put the, he put that belt on my shoulder once. I told you about the time I met Ted DiBiase. Did, sir. How, great, how great he was. How yeah. much. You find it, man. Yeah, what that dude? And I don't mean this like, oh, it was easy. He's a wrestler, but this dude had an easy forty-year career, and at the end of it, he barely took the took a bump. Yeah, that's great. Okay, and he I got think... another what six or seven years out of being a manager. Yeah, that's awesome. uh, but but like Rick Rude is his uh wrestling career uh, ended a yeah. lot sooner than he wanted it to. And sure. uh, it's his, because his, of his neck injury. Again, like Rick Rude, that he got is sustained in Japan. I think he would have liked to have, uh, if not wrestled more, probably would have taken more bumps as a manager because the one thing Ted DiBiase could do was take bumps because that guy was one of the... Um, when we talk about uh, wrestlers, and that could be another show, um, we can have our you you were thinking about doing a or well, you want to do a um wrap up in wrestling history of two weeks. I would like to do in this year 
our our list shows. We know we we've talked about wrestlers that um, should have been world champions or wrestlers that uh, if they had lived had what a, you know we can do a list like that because my my list of guys that should have been champion always goes to Ted DiBiase. Oh God, yeah. Just what I mentioned in the earlier in this segment. Him being the world champion after the main event when Andre the Giant gave him the belt, keep it on him. That's a license to print money. Um, what they they already had a plan in place, but it's like what they didn't know. Like with with Superstar, the same thing with Superstar Billy Graham. It's like the guy was selling out everywhere. Um, I know you had the, the Bob Backlund with next in line, but do you see the crowds this guy is getting? He's he's sold out Madison Square Garden nineteen out of twenty times. The only time he didn't because there was a blizzard. <laughs> you know how many gates we would get if you turn this guy face? He's almost as big as he we haven't lost any business since Bruno left. Look, hey, you know, maybe hold off on that for a while. Ted DiBiase is a world heavyweight champion. People are turning out like 15,000 people in Boston to boo him. Let's keep that money train rolling. You know how you drop the ball with not letting Piper be champion? Let's not do it with Ted. Let's give him a little leash, at least till WrestleMania. Uh, but yeah, we can do, I'd like to do shows about um, yeah lists. The list of guys that should have been champion. List of guys that should have been champion. I mean, yeah. holy... I think of five right now that are like, wait, they weren't champion? Yeah. Yeah. We should do that soon. I agree. Okay. Good idea. Thank you. <laughs> um, It'll never uh, happen. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, February 10th, a very, very sad day in professional wrestling. I don't know what it is about this date, um, if it's cursed or not. Um, and this guy probably would have been on the list or would have he would have been on the list of guys that had this not happen he with there's guys that should have been champion and then there's guys that um if nothing bad had happened what if nothing bad had happened uh but february 10th 1984 was the date and i'll keep going back to that that changed professional wrestling the ripple effect of the death of david von Erich. It's still being felt. February 10th, 1984 um, changed everything. Vince McMahon told me about that. It, The death of David Von Erich was shown on WWF television. It was shown on uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, on the AWA, uh, because this was all a, it affected all of professional wrestling. There were no territories. There was no uh, NWA, WAW, if David Von Erich is gone at 25 years old. And to say that it, it, it caused a ripple effect, it would be an understatement because um, it, it shone a light on world class that was already doing tremendous business that rivaled the WWF in terms of uh, sold out shows and revenue. And their TV ratings were dwarfing what the the local and their the TV ratings that the world class was doing in Texas dwarfed any of the local shows that WWF was doing in any of their syndicated markets. 
The world class had been syndicated before the WWF, so their shows were being seen not just on in the Northeast, but um, in overseas as well. Um, they had a huge following, but so the death of David Von Erich was felt globally, um, not just in the United States. Um, some would say that would start the rise and the immediate fall of world class. Um, it started the um, the NWA had lost one of its major uh, territories um, after the death of of David. Uh, world class would leave the NWA after a while. Um, David not being there uh, probably would have meant that the Von Erichs could have gone, would have made inroads into the NWA, possibly toward the WWF. Vince was in the middle of his expansion. Um, he offered to buy world class. Fritz Von Erich told him to go fuck himself. But um, who knows? One time what, I would have agreed with Vince. Yeah. yeah. Um, but later on, with the success of the Von Erichs, who knows what would have happened? Um, it also affected the uh, it also affected the AWA because uh, with Fritz not uh, with uh, with David gone, um, the shift of the number two wrestling organization wouldn't go to would go to the AWA and that would also be a, a would have been a viable option for the Von Erics had they uh decided to expand. But with David not there, um that kind of put the brakes on it. Um who knows what David would have been. Obviously um the parade of champions at Texas Stadium was set up to be David versus Ric Flair. David most assuredly would have been crowned the NWA champion that year, that May, um, May of 84, that went to carry. But had that been David, um, that would have been, that would have given the cachet more to uh, world class. And Vince could have tried to poach him from there. We could have seen the Von Erics in WWF. We could have seen the Von Erics in the NWA. David Von Erich would have made a would have made a great Undertaker. Um, he had the size and he had the look and he he knew how to he knew how to work. But uh, David, the ripple effect of David Von Erich's death was huge. But on that same date, February tenth, again, cursed day, two thousand three, we lost another second generation superstar. Um, a guy that was world champion, although not in the WWF, but the case could be, it could have been made for. Him to be WWF heavyweight champion, but February tenth, two thousand three, we lost Kurt Henning. Um, Mister Perfect, one of the uh, great professional wrestlers of all time, second generation superstar, um, a guy that was a great athlete. Those vignettes you saw of him um, with the basketball and the, that was him. Uh, the bowling, that was him. There was no. And it was all in one take. Um, they weren't edited. They weren't thrown together. Kurt, Ang, Kurt Henning was an incredible athlete. And uh, and he knew it. Um, and uh, a lot of great things said about him. Jesse Ventura said, uh, you know, I was a loner. But Kurt Henning was a guy I didn't mind running into every once in a while. 
uh, that I enjoyed spending time with. And he was just one of those guys. And he was also one of those guys that liked to test himself against other men. Uh, there was an urban legend of uh, Kurt Henning running into Steven Seagal at an airport and shaking his hand and kind of giving him the grip. And uh, oh, that hurt. Yeah. And Seagal not kind of like pulling oh. away and not wanting to engage. But uh, yeah, Kurt was oh. like that. He liked to test himself against other people. And, and- and you knew it really hurt him because Steven Seagal can't act worth a shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh man, that hurt. That's that's my Steven Seagal. Thank you. It's good. It's very it's very lifelike. Um, and saying. uh, like and like he liked to like I said he liked to test himself against other men, not just Steven Seagal. Uh, and it didn't matter where it was. Uh, it could even be on a. On an airplane, it's 30,000 feet up. You can say to a, a fellow collegiate wrestler, you wrestled in uh, Minnesota? Me too. Um, I had the record for the fastest pin. Yeah, well, I did too. Oh, well, you know, if we were, if I wrestled in that tournament that you did, I would have kicked your ass. Oh, yeah? Yeah. In fact, I'd kick your ass right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. So, Kurt Henning and Brian. man. <laughs> Had a wrestling match at 30,000 feet and almost killed everyone. <laughs> well, if you're going to go, go big. Yeah. Not killed everyone, but when they're in their tussle and in the um, other wrestlers attempt to break up the tussle, they backed into the emergency door on the airplane and bent it. <laughs> so, yeah. Christ. One of the many uh, uh... things that went wrong on the flight. That it's now legendarily known as, but yes, Kurt Henning pay, played a big part uh, in the flight. Um, you would have had to knock me out to calm me down from almost dying. <laughs> I would not have been able to sit in my chair anymore. Uh nope, nope. <laughs> but uh, yes, but uh, unfortunately, two of the greatest second generation wrestlers of all time. And uh, hey, uh, I don't. Their paths might have even crossed at some point. Um, but uh, we lost David Von Erich and Kurt Henning on uh, February tenth. Uh, yeah, that David Von Erich thing. Like you say, it's still being felt in wrestling this day, literally because it it changed everything. Yeah. Yeah, like everybody's plans, everybody's outlook. That was the next guy, the best wrestler out of the Van Von Erics. Yeah, he was. And he was. He was gone. Yeah. Uh, the 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 second one, the 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 tallest, the guy that had the best, that cut the best promo, that had the best mind for the business. You know, it, it was always set up that even though Kevin was the oldest, that if Fritz went, that David would be the one to take over because he had the best mind. Uh, Harley Race and and Ric Flair both agreed that he was a guy that, you know, they all had something, you know. Uh, Kevin was the best athlete. Kerry had the best body. But David had was not only the best worker, but had the best mind for wrestling. He was, David was the one that Fred sent to Eddie Graham in Florida to wrestle as a heel. Um in a in because the plan was for him to be NWA champion. And if he was going to be NWA champion, he'd have to be a heel in certain territories like Florida, like Georgia. 
um, while still being a face in Texas. Uh, but he didn't send Kevin. He didn't send Kerry. He sent David um, to wrestle uh, and be Dory Funk's tag team partner since Fritz and Dory go back away. So when David Von Erich turned heel for the first time in his career in Florida, you know, wrestling against Dusty Rhodes and against Barry Windham, who that would have made a, an awesome tag team uh, against Mike Graham and cutting heel promos on everyone, calling Bubba Douglas a, a local Florida wrestler, calling him Uncle Tom. Ooh, you know, and Bubba, Bubba Douglas was black. Yes. <laughs> that's how you know he's a heel. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what he is, is a heel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. A good guy it, wouldn't say that. No, no, no. But, yeah. Uh, if you, uh, they don't, there's not a lot of them, but you go on your homework assignment, check out David Von Eric as a heel in Florida on YouTube. Uh, great stuff. Loud, loud booze. <laughs> yes. Oh, that motherfucker said what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and even the face turn when he, uh, when Dory Funk turned on him, um, fans wanted to get behind him and he turned face and then he went right back to went right back to Texas so he couldn't even didn't get a full face run in Florida because the idea was for him to wrestle heel uh be turned on by Dory and how the have the fans accept him and that was in 82 uh but by the end of that year um he already had plans that involved uh Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts. Yep. And the rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah. Uh, which brings us to uh, February 15th, um, 2004. Speaking of history, No Way Out, 19 years ago, um, where Brock Lesnar would lose the WWE World Heavyweight Championship to Latino Heat, Eddie Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Went from throwing coffee on him. See, see this, Eric. I'm throwing coffee on myself. One of my one of my favorite promos in WCW. From that to on top of the world. Yeah. Um, and it's really sad that anybody else consider anybody else doesn't consider him one of the top five greatest wrestlers of all time. In more he's, yeah, he's in my top five. Uh, because it should be in everybody's top five. Yeah, there's not a you can count on one hand the amount of wrestlers that were great, are great faces, and are great heels. Uh, great promo can work any style in the ring, and can tell a story, um, and can captivate an audience. You know, and that, and not everyone could. I was just looking at. I still look at Eddie's last match with uh, Mr. Kennedy. Uh, with the the chair shot that wasn't um, just uh, so fitting of him. Listen, um, it's a fit. It's an unfortunate, but it's a fitting end. If he was going to go, yeah, like you, you, uh, the the unknown retirement matches are usually better than the retirement matches, and he, yeah. he was slightly retired. <laughs> you know, yeah, and you know, towards the um. Apologize. Um, okay. Before his death, uh, the, the he was the rumor was that he was scheduled to regain their heavyweight championship, 
from Batista, that Survivor Series. You know, we talk about great wrestlers and Eddie uh, winning the title um, 19 years ago this week, uh, 19 years ago yesterday, uh, only holding it once. Um, but him wearing it again wasn't completely out of out of uh, one of the hottest things in the company for years. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Vince would be a fool. Vince has been a fool, but he'd be an absolute foolish fool to not at least get to him at least one more time. Yeah, and he earned it, and the fans would you know would ate it up because. He was that good in the ring and out of the ring. He was when he when he left. He was my favorite wrestler, and you know, at the time in two thousand five. Um, but February fifteenth, two thousand four, was his crowning achievement. One of the loudest reactions I've ever seen for a title title change. Great match. I forget the 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 interference of uh of Bill Goldberg, on that. Because well, he uh, gives a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, all the. <laughs> I did. I didn't remember that happened as well until you mentioned it. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Hey, look, Goldberg's here. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, Eddie won, so that's the important thing. It's a shame we we talk so badly about a guy who seems like a genuinely nice guy. Yeah, <laughs> like that sucks. <laughs> but anyway, that's a, another discussion for another time. <laughs> yeah, Eddie Guerrero. Um, if if this reaches any new ears, I will say again. Research Eddie Guerrero. Go get the WWE documentary that came out in. I don't fucking know what year it is now. Um, yeah, it was. It, it came out when he was still champion. It came out in two thousand four. It's so well it's done, so and it, yeah. and it's one of those things that seems like it's done mostly legitimately, with no little twist. You know, it's it's really well done, and the matches on it are insane. Uh, his little run in ECW is great. Yeah. Uh, his listen, and I know he was not getting the spots he wanted in WCW, but man, was he awesome! Halloween Havoc, Eddie uh, Guerrero, Ray, man, Ray Mysterio. That ninety six. Yeah. Still, and it just it was literally yeah. featured. In last year's WWE 2K game. Yeah. Very heavily. Mm-hmm. That was the funnest I had. The, that uh, retrospective mode is a lot of fun. Because, wow, I'm Rey Mysterio? Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the way they interspersed it with real footage back into... Yeah. I've replayed that a bunch, let me just say. Yeah. 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 Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio, Halloween Havoc 96. Uh, from Eddie's own mouth, he said, out of all the matches, I look at that one and say, wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> Is that the one? Isn't that the one where Dusty? <laughs> I can't even get it out. Where he goes, this is incredible athletics-ism. Yes, <laughs> athletic-ism. Ath- athletics-ism. <laughs> Ism. <laughs> Not athleticism, athletic. Just, I can't talk. Mm-hmm. I stumble on my words all the time, and I'm telling you that that's what he did. He couldn't think of the word halfway through, like he thought of the word, forgot halfway through, and then remembered athleticism. Well, just, there's 
so the many great things that this there's so many great things that happen in that match that it's hard to catch your breath. <laughs> so I would lose my speech too. Oh my god, it's so funny. I love I love it. Everything about that as you said, there's it's just perfect. And I never would have thought watching that match <laughs> uh, two of the greatest cruiserweights of all time that 8 years later uh Eddie would be the W would A B in the WWE E and that he would be the WWE heavyweight champion one day. And just as a side note, because we always talk about how Vince treated WCW stars after the fact, fucking Ray, man. Yeah. The one yeah. that got the one that got past that. Not all the time, no. but I would say that it still doesn't count because he's been champion. He's still there. He doesn't look like a fool. Um I, 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 the hype he got going into that company. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and, you know, credit goes to, but also credit goes to D. Malenko, because Ray, if you remember, had been wrestling in WCW the, the, the last five years without a mask. So he was well known without a mask, but it was Dean who said, you have put it back on. And it was Dean who talked to Vince and said, we get a, a marketing gold mine with this mask. And Vince is like, but everyone's seen it without it. It doesn't matter. You put the mask back on him and you keep it on. You get, yeah, you don't, they never acknowledged it. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about it. We're going to talk about who he is and show you things from the past. We're even going to slip in a, a shot or two from the maskless days. But that we're not mentioning it. We're just mm -hmm. going with the mask. Who's that jumping out the sky? Are you what? Perfect. And it also led into Vince's. Um, Cornette brought this up, and it was it's been further emphasized by other wrestlers, Chris Candido among them. Vince has always had this. I don't want to call it a fantasy, but he just mm. he was in love. You know how Vince loves certain things, like he loves dumbass hillbillies. He loves treating. Of course he does. Those are the ones that give him money. But, but he loves a dumbass hillbilly gimmick, you know, yeah. of all, uh, loves li little people acting like, you know, cartoon <laughs> characters. Yeah. He's been up, he's always been obsessed with Mighty Mouse. He always wanted to make a Mighty Mouse character. That's who you wanted Chris Candido to be. Like this tiny guy that's really strong. And, he, mm. he, and he's tried it over. He tried it with Crash Holly. He tried it with even now with with Chad Gable. He likes the small guy. He wants to push them as like these superhuman people. And with Ray, who not only had the charisma but the moves to pull it off because he's been wrestling bigger guys his entire career, he said, "This is it. This is not only that I'm my Mighty Mouse character, but he's a real life superhero because he can fly." But he tried it with so many other guys before Ray because he's obsessed with Mighty Mouse. He he loves a Mighty Mouse character. That's who he wanted Chris Candido to be. Before he got the before he saw Sonny and got the idea of the body donors. But I I I I I <laughs> I, I yield the floor to you. <laughs> thank you for yielding the floor to me because that gentlemen and ladies was a wrestling historian Christ, i've never heard something stupider 
I'm obsessed with Phil Collins. I'm not making a wrestler gimmick Phil Collins. No. Follow me on Twitter and all social media platforms. <laughs> it's two gots. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I fucking hate Vince so much. And that's the dumbest thing you've ever heard, which means that's the dumbest thing it's ever been. Yeah, yeah. That's the dumbest thing. I, listen, I will put that in dumbest thing it's ever been. Um, follow me on Twitter so I can be sad about this with you. DanLaw83. All social media platforms, DanLaw83. Uh, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook. Twitter live. Not every day, but mostly every day, but we're live every other normally Tuesday. I'm tired. I'm old. I'm sore. I had to delay it. Uh, Craig, where can people follow you, sir? Uh, they can follow me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and on Twitter at Craig Lagons, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. Also, check out my other podcast. The episode just dropped on Comic Book Guru's podcast. We talk about the man who would be and the once and future Kang. It was good. Uh, it was good. It wasn't great. wasn't even very good. It was good. It was good. It was an Ant Man movie. If you and that's the, fine, by the way, yes. folks. If you've seen the previous two Ant Man movies, this is the third one. Of all the Ant Man movies I've seen, this is the third one. In, the yeah, third this one. is the third one in succession. Yes. <laughs> no, you know Kang's the worst thing that's ever happened in the Marvel universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he's not a good actor or whatever that guy was saying. Also, he hates black people. Yeah, yeah, he should have said that first, and then just say that part. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just like, who was it? Was it MTG? Yeah, it was like, <laughs> like the Chris Daughtry singing of the national anthem it was beautiful. The most bit brought me to tears, but all this other woke shit was bad. And somebody just retweeted, said, "Why'd you just say blackness?" People, yes. <laughs> Yeah, so it was. Yeah, just just replace it in word woke for the word black and well, oh, this black. I hate black people. That's what that's what she's saying. Jesus, never seen. Of course, she means blonde white chick, master race, right there. The master race, Jesus. Uh it was a hold. It was a bad call. Go fuck yourselves. Um, uh, not going to talk about it. Also, my teammate, the Super Bowl. I don't care how that lame that is. It's fact. Exactly. Yes, we have the second best team in all of football and the second best quarterback. And he's only 24. So guess what? We'll be back. So get used to seeing him for a long time, motherfuckers. Yes. Um, yeah, it's going to be good. And we have. Yeah, and you better be glad we didn't win because if you're this pissed oh, off God. about us losing. You thought it was bad in 2018. Holy shit. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Oh, Just... it was. I had, I had tweets saved in a list. I was going to rub my big old balls on everybody's face. <laughs> so glad they didn't win. Because last time it was like, oh, man, this sucks. This time it was like, you fucking shove it up your Oh, I was ready. Oh, you're so lucky. And I'm saving them just in case there's another run. Oh, there will be another run. Oh, We're running man. it back. I'm, 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 uh, we not only have the best, I say best football team because the, the fucking officiating, um, yeah, uh, we have the best basketball player in basketball right now. Period. Yes, we do. Yeah. And I don't mean ever. I mean, mm. right now, right now, this moment in time. Yes. Uh, and possibly one and two. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And our baseball team has the best shortstop in baseball. So, and the best, uh, hitter. And the best hitter. So yeah. Uh, so don't don't 
So just watch out. Yeah. Get get all this right now. Keep keep get, that in get, mind. Yeah. Keep get 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 it out of your system. Yes. And even the union, because people now all of a sudden the union matter because they're using it against us. Mm-hmm. Now the now but now, now soccer now matters. Big, yeah. Uh, they better never win because I'm coming for you, motherfucker. Yes. I got nothing. <laughs> I work a lot of tw- I work a lot of hours, but on my days off, I got nothing but time, brother. <laughs> I am bookmarking all these, bitch. So you better delete them or hope that my hope that I lose track of where they are because mm-hmm. I'm coming. And so is RME. She yes. keeps more receipts than I do. <laughs> you don't want her coming for you because I'm easy compared to her. But watch it. With that being said. <laughs> uh, NHL we're going to play a little NHL 23 on stream if you're listening you should always just go to YouTube or go to my mouse died that's fun uh, go to YouTube now I can't shut this off <laughs> go to YouTube and and and, and stuff uh, keep it on the paper goodbye goodbye